The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. And welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. Please take your Bibles to 1 Timothy 6. And we'll pick it up at verse 13. And when you find it, if you don't mind, please stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Timothy 6, verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. My Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this great privilege to Preach your word, Lord, I pray for our pastor and his wife. Pray that you will give them comfort at this time. Pray, Lord, for Donna Miller and her dedication to drive out of state to spend time with them and to help them. Lord, I pray for this congregation, for you people, Lord. Pray that you will give us the wisdom to do what is right and to be faithful to you, Lord, and continue to do what you have called us to do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. About a year and a half ago, I was driving around and uh, I was listening to a sermon on YouTube. And the preacher was saying that he, he was on a trip to Egypt. And he said that on the airplane, he sat next to a, a man that was a member of uh, Islam. And... Uh, on the airplane said that they were talking about the difference between Islam and Christianity. And this guy said that he was a, the preacher said that he was a very young pre, uh, Christian at the time. And the member of the Islamic religion, religion was very passionate and very good at defending his religion. And he, he was bragging about how many names they have for Allah. And he was unable to defend his Christianity and, and come up with the names of Christ. And he could only think of a few. It's a good sermon, but that gave me an idea. And I decided to go on a quest and, and search out the names of Christ. And boy, there is, it's a gold mine. And so I decided to, to work on that and... Uh, I think I got enough material to come up with about 25 sermons on the names of Christ, many of them which are multiple parts that you can do. And so I got about seven, I got seven ready to go and two more just about done and the work is endless. I can spend a lifetime on that. The Bible truly is an amazing book. And so today I have... This is the first one I have, and I have titled this sermon, Jesus Christ, the Potentate. I've taken that one from 
Timothy um, chapter 15. And so I have built this sermon on just that one word alone. You know, you pull out your concordance and do a word search on the words of the Bible, and you'd be amazed how much material is out there and how many hours you can spend. You can spend years, and you'll never, you'll never reach the bottom of it. I had Elizabeth Petro one time when she was in, when we had a Sunday school, and she, she raised her hand, and she wanted to know how it is that preachers from all over the world in different languages, different countries, are able to come up with different sermons out of the same Bible. And I was unprepared for that question, and I said, you know, well, the Bible is, is like an onion that has many layers. And a good preacher on a good day can probably scratch one or two layers. But the problem with the onion is that you eventually get to the end of the layers. With the Bible, there is no end to it. And she, she said, that's a horrible illustration because... <laughs> Onions are stink. I say, yeah, it's true, but I couldn't think of anything at the time, so I went with it. But anyhow, I built a sermon on, on that one word, the potentate, and naturally, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with these terms, I expect people to ask, what is a potentate? A potentate is defined as one who has control and power, a person who possesses great authority, a prince, a sovereign ruler, an emperor, a king, or monarch. From the context of this verse, it is obvious that the name deals with the subject of government. And no, I'm not talking politics today. I, I, I don't like to take a shot at politicians from the pulpit every, day, every now and then, it's, it's okay, but uh, that's, not, that's not my intention today. Uh, the suggestions of this verse are many, but the main point is that God himself will provide the perfect government one day, and that government is going to be headed up by Jesus Christ himself. So to gain a real sense of appreciation for that need, one has to be familiar with the present forms and failures of human governments. And so we'll pick it up right there, and point number one in my outline is the forms and failures of human government. Now, there are many forms of government, and I'm going to look at a few today here, and the first one we're going to look at is a monarchy or dictatorship. This can be defined as rule by one. In the purest form, this type of government doesn't exist today. The closest the world has come to seeing a real dictator was in the days of Nebuchadnezzar in ancient Babylon. He had the power to destroy many because nobody could respond to his insane request that he had sometimes. A ridiculous request, but because he was the ruler, nobody could oppose him. And you can read that, some of those requests in Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. This form of government is never totally successful because the monarch is just as wicked and depraved as the people that he is trying to rule. 
But even the best kings in the Bible violated the laws of God. In Deuteronomy, I don't have an, uh, a PowerPoint, so I'm going to have to ask you to turn to your Bibles. Because I do this because I notice that when we put them up on the screen, some people get sleepy. So, But if you look them up, you'll be good to go. Anyhow, if you don't mind, take your Bibles to Deuteronomy 17. We'll pick it up at verse 14. These are the instructions for the selection of a king. God himself knew that his people one day were going to ask for a king. So years, many years before they asked for one, he already had a plan in place. So in Deuteronomy 14, uh, I'm sorry, 17, verse 14, we'll pick it up. And it says, God gave his people the instructions for the selection of the king. Because like I said, he knew that they were, they were going to ask for one. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like as the, all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shall thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he shall multiply horses, for as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of, the which, out of that which is before the priest, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to them, <clears throat> to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Now, the first king of Israel was a total disaster. This was what you will call it the people's choice. You know, when you do things your way, you can be sure that you're going to fall on your face. And that's what happened here. King Saul is the greatest type of the Antichrist in your Bible. And he fell miserably. King David was a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. He turned out to be an adulterer and a murderer. King Solomon was the wisest man on earth apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he also failed miserably 
with all his wisdom, he couldn't make it. According to the law, the king was not to multiply horses. King Solomon did multiply horses for himself. The king was not to multiply wives for himself. King Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a thousand women in one house. Can you imagine a thousand women in a house and one man? That's enough to drive any man insane. That explains why he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. The most impressive book in the Bible, if you don't know the Lord. <clears throat> the king was not to multiply silver and gold. King Solomon did multiply silver and gold. He violated every law that was, that was in the book. And in the end, the kingdom fell apart. And eventually the whole thing went by the sideway. The whole thing fell apart. The next form of government is oligarchy, or a type of government that is ruled by a few people. This is defined as the government which is, a, which is put together by a few people, and a few group of people, I mean a small group of people, exercises control over everything, especially for corrupt reasons. The best example that I could find in the Bible is the Persian Empire. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. You study those verses and you quickly discover that there were many selfish reasons there and why it was that King Darius didn't trust any of them. King Darius was no fool. He knew that he had crooks in his government. And the only man he could trust was Daniel. Now keep in mind that Daniel was a foreigner in the Persian Empire. And he turned out to be one of the best employees that the king had. You know, he was not your average run-of-the-mill sweeping the floors and cleaning the toilets in the empire. He was at the top. He was overseeing the wealth of the king. And thus this makes Daniel a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. The next kingdom is democracy, or ruled by the majority. And you would think that this is a good thing, but this form of government has never existed. And if it did exist, it will have serious violations of human rights. A good example of this type of government is in the book of Numbers, chapter 14. Real democracy is really a mob running amok. A bunch of confused, depraved, ungrateful people whining every step of the way, and they don't even know what they want. Here's a large number of people running around in circles in the wilderness, whining about everything. And the great majority of these people forgot how wonderful God had been to them. But instead, of the, instead, the only thing they could remember was 
the pots of flesh back in Egypt, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic, the belly. They just wanted to satisfy their belly. God was so angry with these people that he was ready to kill every one of them. And he was going to start over with Moses. But Moses truly loved his people, and he interceded for them. And he went to God, and he told God, you know, if you kill these people here, all the nations around us are going to see that you failed. You're going to look like you lost this. And your reputation is on the line. So God said, okay, fine, I have a plan for these whiners. And what a plan it was. God said, your judgment is going to be 40 years wandering around in circles in the wilderness. You spent 40 days spying the good land that I intend to give you. And instead of going over there and possess it, here you are complaining and wanting to stone to death the men that I have chosen to be you leaders who love you and is pleading for you. The language here indicates that the majority of the people were complaining to the people that God had put in place to guide them into the promised land. To be ungrateful is to be sinful because what you're saying is that God is not capable of supplying all your needs. And God doesn't like ungrateful people. Now I need you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers 14. And we'll pick it up at verse 22. Numbers 14, verse 22. Because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the land, in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me, and have heard, I have heard the, the murmuring of the children of Israel, which that murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, says the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ear, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were number of you according to you whole number from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, by you little ones, which ye say shall be a prey, them will I bring in, 
and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear you whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even forty days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years, and ye shall know my breach a promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed and they shall die. When the majority of the people are sick and twisted, everybody around suffers. Not just the people that are whining will suffer. Everybody suffers. When the number of people who love the Lord and want to do the right thing is in decline, you can be sure that everybody is going to pay a price. And a righteous God cannot stand by and watch it and let it go on forever. God will bring judgment. The last form of government is a republic or rule by law. It wasn't that long ago that I remember taking my children to school. You know, this wasn't that long ago. And that gives you an idea how fast things are falling apart. I remember staying on the courtyard of the school until they went into the classroom. The teachers never went into the classroom to teach anybody anything until they had gathered all the children under the flagpole and with the right hand over their heart, they said this. I pledge, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the, to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. You can't say that now in the, in the public schools. With the exception of, a, of the perfect monarchy, this is the best form of government. But of course, where the laws come from is what makes a huge deal of difference. If you remember where you got your laws to set up your nation, that's going to make the difference. The first paragraph of the Declaration, the Declaration of Independence reads like this. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to, to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold this truth to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, and on and on it goes. I'm not going to read the whole thing, 
but I, I do hope that you have a copy of it. Our forefathers knew and they understood that certain unalienable rights were given by God. Your government does not have anything to give you unless they take it from someone else and then give it to the lazy ones. That's how I see it. These rights are called for in the, in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, which were, were founded in biblical principles. Liberty. Psalms 119, verses 44, 45, and 46 read like this. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. I will, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. God freed Israel from Egypt so they could be a reflection of the character of God wherever they went. That was the whole point. They were going to set an example for every nation around them so they could know that their God was a great God. And they failed. And when they failed, they lost their liberty when they forsook the laws of God. In Judges chapter 6, I need you to turn there if you don't mind. Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till that Till that, came, till that come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass, for they came up with their cattle and with their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. They lost their liberty. Happiness. Deuteronomy 33 verse 29 reads, Happy are thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency, and thine enemies should be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. Because of their sin, they lost their happiness. Lamentations 1 verse 12 reads, It is nothing to you, all ye that pass by, behold, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Here's Jeremiah lamenting what had taken place in their nation. Life. Exodus 20, verse 13. That shall not kill. It's that simple. That's how we read. That commandment is very short. 
but you take that apart, boy, there's a lot in them. They were protected by the law they had received from God. And they were to enforce it without exception. Numbers 35, verse 31 reads, Moreover, ye shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer which is guilty of death, but ye should be surely, but he should be surely put to death. Is the death penalty enforced? Sure was. And it should be still enforced today. Number four, God gave them the right to bear arms and defend themselves from their enemies. You know, it's not a sin to own weapons, to protect yourself, your family, and your property. If anyone comes into your house late at night without an invitation, you do have the right to have a quick conversation with Mr. Ruger and go out there and investigate what's going on and take care of business. That's your God-given right. Deuteronomy 14, uh, verse 1, chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse 41. Then he answered and said unto me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight according to all that the Lord our God commanded us. And when ye had girded on every man his weapons of war, ye were ready to go up into the hill. They lost their right to bear arms. They violated the laws of God. Judges chapter 5 verse 8. They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? No, they lost their weapons. The Eighth Commandment tells you that you don't have the right to steal that which doesn't belong to you. You don't have the right to steal from anybody. And nobody has the right to steal from you. You have the right to own whatever you can afford, land, property, whatever. If you can afford it, you have the right to own it. In 1 Kings chapter 21, we have the story of Naboth, who owned a vineyard which was next to the property of King Ahab, king of Israel. Ahab wanted to buy it legally from Naboth. But Naboth refused to sell it because it was the inheritance of his fathers. Now, King Ahab had no backbone. But he was about as wicked as you can get him. And whatever he couldn't think of when it comes to doing evil, his wife Jezebel was a beauty. Jezebel the queen came up with a plan to have Naboth executed or treason, which is a total lie. And as Ahab was going down to take possession of the vineyard, he was met by Elijah the prophet. And he pronounced a doom on him and his wife, Jezebel, and his whole house. God, through the prophet Elijah, condemned a ruler who had taken the property and the life of a righteous man. 
And all this was done by a law that was completely unjust. The best republic in history was Israel under the leadership of Moses and Joshua. God had given them a perfect law that protected human rights. Moses, along with others, administered the law and judged the people when necessary according to the way that God had told them. Moving on to point number two, and this is the need for a new government. History has proven that even the best form of government, in this case a republic, will will disintegrate over time. The reason is because new laws are continually introduced by people who refuse to give God the glory. A nation founded on biblical principles will survive the test of time as long as that nation conducts herself according to the laws of God. But when that nation begins to ignore the laws of God, on which she was founded, it is only a matter of time for her to go down. Our Bureau for America is no exception. It's going to go down just like any other nation if we don't step it up. The only perfect solution is an absolute monarch with a perfect lawgiver. That's none other than Christ himself. Only Jesus Christ has the power, the wisdom, and the capacity to rule heaven and earth in perfect righteousness. Matthew 28, verse 18 reads, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Jesus is coming back in great power. I hope it happens in my lifetime. Mark thirteen twenty six, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. The words of Jesus have power and authority. Luke 4, verse 30, uh, uh, yeah, Luke 4, verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his words was with power. Jesus is the power of God. 1 Corinthians one twenty four. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. There is no power in heaven and in earth like the power of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. And that is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which we wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Jesus is the source of power, physical and spiritual. Colossians 2.10, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. The The word principality has to do with 
you know, princes, powers, authorities, municipalities, that kind of power. Jesus Christ is the power that will last forever. We read in 1 Timothy 6, verse 16, Who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach, unto whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. In other words, to know the Lord Jesus Christ is to be connected to the source of power that is so incredible that he has the power to put together a person who has been dead for hundreds or even thousands of years and bring it back to life. God is going to do that. Christ himself. In a way, this is what makes Christ both comforting and scary at the same time. As a Christian, you can rest assured that whatever it is that you're going through right now, whatever sickness, whatever it is that you're suffering, you can be sure that it has come to pass. It hasn't come to stay. Sooner or later, it's either going to go away or you're going to go away. But it hasn't come to stay. Heaven is your eternal home, and no matter what happens down here, it'll come to pass. But for an unbeliever... Jesus Christ is terrifying because he has the power to kill you. Then bring you back from the dead. Judge you according to your works. And then dump you into a lake of fire where you're going to burn forever. I don't know what's, what's more scary than that. If that doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. My question to you, if you're sitting here today and don't know Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? Christ is going to judge this world. Believe me, he's not going to let it go on forever. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for you people, for the privilege to preach your word. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, that today would be that day when they'll begin their new life. I pray, Lord, that you will give us the wisdom to do what is right and to follow you faithfully. Pray for our past and pray that you will bring him back to good health. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Brian Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Roner Park, California. 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.